The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. The connection between you and your therapist matters. That's why Alma focuses on helping you find the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search by what you want to focus on, like anxiety, relationships, or big life transitions. You can also specify preferences around gender, race, faith, and more to help you find someone who's more likely to understand where you're coming from. Alma also makes it easy for therapists to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of providers in their directory accept insurance for sessions, so you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash not just anyone to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash not just anyone. This is NFL Not Sunday with Ryan Hannibal, Kirk Minahan, Rich Keefe, and Christian Fourier. The ultimate football podcast. Let's get started with NFL Not Sunday. Now here's Ryan Hannibal. Welcome back to another edition of the Not Sunday Podcast. This week we have a special guest, Casey Sherman, author of 12, The Inside Story of Tom Brady's Fight for Redemption. Casey, you're the co-author with Dave Wett. Don't want to you know, leave him out. Thanks for joining me. No, thanks for having me, Ryan. I just wanted to, I'm more interested in how this book came about. Like, when did you, you know, get the idea to, to do this book and, and, you know, how did it, you know, get off the ground? Well, you know, we first started to talk a little bit about the book, you know, at the height of Deflategate, where Tom Brady was taking uh, arrows from all sides. You know, Dave Wedge and I were just coming off Boston Strong, which is, was a very weighty and obviously uh, incredibly important story with the Boston Marathon bombings. And we were looking for another project that I wouldn't equate the two, but at least had some, some real drama to it. And, um, you know, the ending, of course, wasn't really there when we first brought it up. But uh, when we were watching the Super Bowl unfold against the Falcons, Dave and I started to tweet back and forth, okay, this could be it. And then suddenly suddenly we got a uh, phone call from our Hollywood partner, uh, screenwriter Paul Tamasey, and said, who said, you know, guys, uh, we'd love, this is a movie. If you guys write the book, we'll make the movie. And we kind of went from there. Mm-hmm. How did it go to you know get you know all this access? Was it something that the Patriots were, were open to doing? I mean, you spoke to a, a good amount of players, you know, in the organization. You know, organization. Yeah, players Stacey players. James was great. Um, you know, providing us access. We were, you know, uh, allowed into uh, uh, training camp and into the locker room. Um, uh, you know, we hired Matt Chatham as a consultant 
to really leverage some of his relationships uh, with uh, some of the players to get them to kind of open up because Brady has never gone on the record for any book uh, besides TB12, obviously, but he was able to uh, speak to us on the record for the book and really kind of open up, maybe not so much about the deflate gate stuff, but certainly about what it was like to be on the outside looking in uh, when the uh, season began in 2016. And obviously uh, uh, the Super Bowl stuff is great. How long did all this take to sort of come together? Were you guys, you know, working nonstop with this since that? Yeah, we usually were, you know, we worked nonstop. We were just literally coming off uh, another book we had written in between the Ice Bucket Challenge about Pete Frady's. So we were launching that book and writing this one simultaneously. It does get a little crazy when you're trying to figure out what story you're supposed to be really working on day to day. But, you know, you sit down and you start to let these characters wash over over you. And as a writer, that's how you have to approach your Brady's and your crafts, and especially a guy like Adele. You want to be able to tell a really interesting story that anybody could pick up and get something from. And I think we've done that with 12. Mm -hmm. Now, who was, I guess, what was the, from for you personally, what was the, the biggest takeaway that you got from all the interviews that you did? Was there something that stood out most, maybe surprised you? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, the, the infighting between Brady's reps was, was quite interesting. The NFL PA lawyers did not necessarily agree with the strategy of Don Yee, Brady's agent, uh, with regard to Deflategate and things like the smashed phone and handing over evidence to Ted Wells. All of that was really new information that we hadn't seen before or read before, and really uh, uh, embedding ourselves with people like Demore Smith at the NFLPA or Heather McPhee. These are the lawyers, the unsung heroes that had to protect Brady's blind side off the field. And to tell their story was, was a unique challenge for us. Was it was were they very forthcoming with with talking with you? Did you do you have any like pushback from any of those people? No, they reached out to us. Really, <laughs> that was the great thing about it. Uh, once the um, the the book project and the film were announced simultaneously, we get a call from the NFLPA. They had a story to tell. We sat down with them, listened to what they had to say, vetted that material and information against other sources, and um, you know let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I guess the biggest thing, the excerpt that was released, sort of got you know a lot of attention earlier this week. When you know, with with Brady hearing Robert Kraft, you know, say that he was going to not you know press it anymore, and the the you know what the fuck. Um, do you th- was that serious? Like, how long did it take them to to you know get the relationship better? Because in the book, you go into where, where they get the rings, and it seemed like everything was fine then. Um, how do you think their relationship went with that? Well, I mean, it's been a relationship that uh, that Bob Kraft has worked on, you know, since he had to make that very difficult decision. And I think, you know, Kraft needed to make that for, um, you know, the future of the team. Uh, as much as he loves Tom Brady, and he does, I've spent time with him. Uh, Dave Wedge and I spent time with Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft, and you see the love that the owners have for Tom Brady. You also see the anger that they still have against Goodell. Even though they've had to make their peace with the commissioner, they're still really pissed off at Goodell uh, over this Deflategate situation. Mm -hmm. But Kraft, ultimately, he didn't want to be Al Davis. He didn't want to have to sue the NFL because once you do that, you are persona non grata 
you know, with the rest of the NFL ownership, that mysterious Illuminati, if you will, mm-hmm. of uh, of sports owners in America. They will box you out, and you know, anytime Kraft wanted to do something for the good of his team, he would have had an incredible challenge to do that. So he pulled back at the last minute against going forward with a lawsuit against the NFL. The only problem was he didn't tell Brady that. So Brady's watching this unfold like you and I were on uh, ESPN or CNN or what have you in San Francisco. Kraft is basically giving up the fight on live television, and Brady picks up the phone and talks to his reps on the NFL side, PA side, says, you know, what the fuck? Like, why isn't anybody supporting me mm-hmm. on this? Mm-hmm. And he was pissed off, obviously, but, you know, Kraft has supported him. He couldn't do it there. And I think that he's done, uh, the Kraft family has gone, you know, above and beyond over the past couple of years to really rebuild that relationship. I think that was part of the reason why Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo was jettisoned last year. Um, yeah. That was something that Kraft felt like he had to do to, you know, um, uh, continue to build that relationship with Brady. Yeah, that sort of led me into my you know ne- next point. Do you think that this is still you know Kraft still has that in the back of his head of how you know he hurt Brady by stepping down like that? So is he going out of his way to make sure that you know the quarterback is happy? Like is he is he t- doing more for Tom Brady now than he did before Deflategate? Yeah, I, I well I think he is, and I think it might bite him in the ass, but I think he he loves the guy. He understands that there wouldn't be a Patriot place without number 12 um, there. And, you know, the Kraft family owes Brady a lot, and I think they've, they've shown that. Um, you know, when Kraft really went after Goodell with the Wells report and context and everything he was doing publicly and behind the scenes in at least the initial few months, um, you know, that's the Kraft that, uh, that, that we saw, Dave Wedge and I, when we sat down and talked to him, he and Jonathan Kraft, um, you know, they, they love the guy. They believe in him 100%. I don't think Kraft has the same relationship with his coach. I'm only speculating on that. I think there's respect there, but there's no love. And I do think that Brady has got zero love for Belichick. And a lot of that comes back to the way that Belichick handled Deflategate as well, really putting it on his quarterback as opposed to putting it on his own shoulders. Yep, you're leading me right into my next question. Do you think that this tension that we've you know seen and heard the last you know couple months started with the Flakegate and Bill sort of throwing Tom right under the bus that first press conference? Yeah, I mean that 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 first press conference shocked everybody. It shocked Brady's reps. It no doubt shocked Tom Brady as well. Uh, you know, Belichick has never has uh, always deflected the attention away from his his players, and he put the onus right on Brady, saying that. Uh, uh, you know, he wasn't Mona Lisa Vito from My Cousin Vinny. There's a little uh, vignette in the in the book where we uh, talk to a few people on the island of Nantucket that will tell you that Bill Belichick knows everything about tire gauges because they've had to pump his tires on the island, and they he carries around a tire gauge in his in the pocket of a short. So there's nothing that happens in Foxborough without his oversight or at least his involvement. So to you know, stiff arm Brady in this situation, I think, really uh, stuck to Brady. Obviously, it continued with the Alex Guerrero situation and then carried over with the uh, decision to bench Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. a Super Bowl that, you know, where Brady threw 500 yards and had them in contention to win. Mm-hmm. Do you think that 
how much, to your knowledge, how much consulting did Brady and Belichick do that whole week, you know, back in Foxborough before they went to Phoenix for the Super Bowl and they had, you know, the infamous Mona Lisa Vito press conference and all that? How much interaction did you get there between the two of them that, that week? Like, were they I don't on- think there was a lot of interaction at all. Uh-huh. You know, Belichick did his thing, Tom Brady did his thing. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, you know, the only interaction was, you know, game planning. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Robert Kraft you know, had a news conference at the Super Bowl defending, you know, not only his quarterback but his coach, which was great. But I think that, uh, you know, Brady was really left to handle the media crush kind of on his own. And I said, you know, that, that, that I believe that really pissed off Brady after so many years of loyal service. He's no longer the, um, you know, the, the, the company guy anymore. Uh, he's going to speak his mind, and he's going to play for him, himself, his teammates, and his family. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to pretend that I've you know been around Brady for for his whole whole career. It's only been probably five years, but I think that the Flategate press conference that that he gave in front of all those people was the worst performance he's ever given. W- would you agree that he wasn't? Fully oh, big pre- mistake! That he wasn't fully prepared for that. No, and and he because he didn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, Demore Smith told him, "You cannot say a word. We we have to get in uh, in front of this." Figure out what is really behind it before you say anything. And Brady literally was very nonchalant, you know, thought it would blow over. You know, this is the pom-pom press conference where Brady's uh, wearing, wearing the hat. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of, uh, you know, there were deer-in-the-headlights answers to some very serious questions. Yeah. Had he come out and just said, you know what, I like my balls a certain way. I don't know what is being done behind the scenes uh, or what's not being done behind the scenes, but I get the balls. I can grip them. I can throw them. You know, that's all I care about. Was there a violation? Maybe. Or, you know, I mean, he didn't even have to say that. But this would have resulted in a $10,000 fine, I think, and nothing more. But I think it's just steamrolled into a capital murder case instead. Yeah, I, I just remember, remember being in that room that day, and it was not the typical crowd for sure at Gillette Stadium. There, it wasn't the Boston Globe and the Boston Herald. There was, you know, ABC News, CBS News, all, all of these people that aren't used to covering football. And just, I don't think Tom expected that. Like, who who do you think ultimately is responsible for that? Is it you know Stacey James and the Patriots? Is it his own people to sort of say, hey, like this is a really big thing. Like you're walking out here with you know a room circled full of reporters. Like it just didn't seem like he was fully prepared for that. No, he wasn't, and I think you know. I I, I would imagine that Stacy tried to prepare him. I know Demore Smith at the NFLPA certainly did, but you know Brady again did not think a violation was was a serious matter. It was a an equipment violation, you know, at best. Didn't see that you know there are people and agendas behind the scenes. The NFL really pushing forward this narrative that Tom Brady was was a cheater and that the Patriots had a history. Of cheating, and it you know goes back to the Spygate scandal, a very legitimate uh, you know controversy and situation in my eyes that was kind of whitewashed by Roger Goodell at the time, and I think the other 31 NFL owners held that over his head for a long period of time. So when the opportunity arose again to go after the Patriots, uh, Goodell had to do that you know with both fists. Mm-hmm. In your, in your estimation, do you think if Brady handled that that Wednesday press conference differently, this might have you might have even been writing writing a book about this? I don't know. That's a question I, I, I grapple with Ryan because sometimes I think that's the case. But I think that the NFL was already so vested yeah. into tearing down Brady at the time that they would have just continued to do it. I think it may have you know might have softened the blow 
if you will, but I think they were, you know, they had already uh, written their conclusion well before they investigated the case. Yes, yes. Um, did you reach out to Bill Belichick at all? Did he ca- try to, do you try to get him to do anything for this book? You know, I, I didn't, to be quite honest. What, what the fuck is he going to say, I, honestly? I, I mean, he's not going to give us any information that he wouldn't give anybody else. We went to a few of his news conferences at Foxborough, and I, I felt so bad for the journalists that were in the room. They're all good journalists. I've worked with many of them. And, you know, the way that he treats these guys and women um, is really kind of obnoxious to me. I wouldn't I wouldn't put up with it. I don't have to because I don't have to go down there every day. Yes. Um, you know, so I didn't want to hear just the typical Bel- Belichick bullshit, yeah. which is kind of what he spews on a daily basis. Uh-huh. Do you think that their Brady and Belichick will ever have a good relationship again? Maybe, you know, I think they'll, they'll you know, 10 years after they've both hung it up, they'll look back on their time together and realize that each, you know, each man, each man needed the other, uh, to get that to that level of success. I do think, uh, they would have been successful, uh, you know, without that partnership to a degree, but not to the extent of, you know, the last 18 plus years now of, uh, unmatched success in the NFL. I mean, you have to admire that. And, you know, this book is a national book. It's being sold all over the country. And it's, you know, we tell um, readers in Salt Lake City or Oregon or, or L.A., you know, there's, there's much to appreciate about Brady. You may not like him personally, or you may be jealous of his athletic ability, but, you know, appreciate this guy, much like we appreciated Jordan or, you know, these, uh, uh, you know, transcendent athletes that you only do see once in a lifetime. Mm, I know, I'll touch on that with one of my last questions about that, but I just wanted to get one more question about Brady and Kraft. Do you think that they're you know, back to what they were, or do you think that Brady still is going to have in the back of his mind you know, that he you know, left, left, left him alone, basically? Do you think their relationship is ever going to get back to fully 100%? I mean, I think that relationship is pretty strong now from what I've heard. Um, I'm not sure, you know, deep in Tom's mind, does he feel like, okay, well, you know, uh, will he take out the floor under me again if anything happens, uh, you know, like the Flakegate? I think, you know, Kraft has shown Brady, you know, with the Jimmy Garoppolo trade and some of the other things that he's done, you know, the true love that the Kraft family has for for Brady. You don't get that from Belichick, obviously. It's a very, you know, business-like relationship. But I do think there's great affection uh, between Brady and Kraft, and there's been a, a lot done to repair that relationship over time. Mm-hmm. And then, do you think that Jonathan Kraft had that famous quote at the Super Bowl last year where he said basically that Tom's earned the right to, you know, handle when he retires. So do you, it seems like you're on board with Jonathan, what he says, that ultimately they're going to allow Brady to decide when he moves on from the team as opposed to, you know, maybe Belichick trading. Like the Krafts wouldn't allow that to happen. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, after Garoppolo, I don't think the Krafts will allow that to happen. And I think as long as Brady continues to play at, you know, an elite uh, MVP level, um, you know, they're going to want him behind center. He's the only real stable force uh, that the Patriots have on, on their roster right now. So why wouldn't you keep the best player in football for as long as he continues to really play at a high level and wants to play at a high level? Mm-hmm. And then in terms of, of selling the book and marketing it, do you have to market it differently to the, the entire country as opposed to the New England region? Certainly, you know, and, and you know, across the country, the one uh, universal theme that we've been hearing is, you know, yeah, people may, you know, not like Brady here, like Brady there, but there's a universal uh, distrust of Roger Goodell. 
And that's, uh, you know, a big part of our book because, you know, if they, if Goodell can tear down Tom Brady, the face of the league, um, you know, that doesn't, you know, bode well for the fifth round draft pick on the Giants or the Falcons or the Chargers. Um, you know, everybody's vulnerable as long as Goodell has the type of power that, that the NFL, you know, players have quite frankly given him, unfortunately, with Article 46 and other, um, uh, things over time mm-hmm. hey casey th- thanks so much for your time really appreciate it G- give a plug for your book where, where do you where do you where can people get their book amazon bookstores yeah you uh, you can get 12 amazon uh amazon all it's bookstores all over new england right now it's already you know the number one selling sports book obviously and it's only been on the shelves for a few hours so we're really excited about it and uh you know this is the book that's going to be adapted into the feature film. We're right now talking to some uh, A-level actors that are very interested in suiting up as Tom Brady for the movie, so that ride's going to be very interesting as well. Any uh, insight into who that might be? <laughs> you know, I tell you who it's not going to be, Ryan. Yeah. It's not going to be uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. It's not going to be Matt Damon. If I hear those two names, <laughs> again, I think I'm going to puke. Thank, thank I mean, you. I'm a short guy, and they're, you know, they, they look like me in shoulder pads, basically. So it's really challenging to find somebody that can really pull off the physicality of, of a Tom Brady. Thank you from all of, all of New England. Is there a date that you might, that you're expecting this to might get released, the movie? Yeah, well, I mean, we're working on it right now. We're trying to lock up our actor in our studio. So once that's done, our screenwriters, the guys that wrote Patriots Day, that wrote my movie, The Finest Hours, they also wrote The Fighter, Mark Wahlberg's real, you know, big boxing movie, the Mickey Ward story. Uh, they're working on uh, on the script as we speak. So I would say about an, a year and a half. That's how long these development processes usually take. But uh, I, I think we'll be seeing it sooner rather than later. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Thanks again so much, Casey. All right, Ryan. Thank you, man. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.